When you're a single parent, there can be a lot going on from managing money to growing your career or business while parenting, dating, and finding time for yourself. How can you create a great life and actually have fun doing it? That's the question we're here to answer. Welcome to Single and Mighty, the podcast where we believe single parents deserve to lead mighty lives. I'm Carmel Ecker, a single parent who gets my adventure fix as a mountain biking coach. I'm also the founder of Your One Amazing Life. And I'm Lindsay Carlson, a solo parent who left an abusive relationship to start a new life. I now enjoy running my own company, Mighty Inc. Marketing. We've both been single parents for more than a decade, which means we've made our share of mistakes and learned a few things along the way. What stands out for us is the value of community, inspiration, and support to create a life you love no matter what the world throws at you. And that's what this podcast is all about. So listen in, get inspired, and leave a review so other single parents can find it too. And sign up at singleandmighty.com for bonus resources and special news. Nusha Melina Durbin really gets what it means to be a single and mighty parent. She's a mother of 10 with an accomplished career. As a mother, she earned her PhD and now consults with C-level executives and boards around the world. She's also opened up some really important conversations about what it means to be a mother and how we can do it without losing ourselves. She's the author of the book Noise, a manifesto modernizing motherhood, a huge advocate for women building lives they love, even as mothers, and for five years was the host of the School for Mothers podcast. Welcome, Danuja. Can you fill us in on what your single parent story is? Well, first of all, thank you for having me on your wonderful podcast. It's it's superb. And so, yeah, single parent story. Oh, my. Well, I didn't set out to be a single parent. And I think that's an important point. And some parents do. <laughs> we know that. And it wasn't an intention. I have been single and partnered and single as a mother. So I have some layers of stories, actually, because of across my 10 children. Oh, just just let me let me put to to bed which is a pun given what i'm about to say whether there's kind of like 12 fathers for 10 children <laughs> you know, some some people like to say oh my are they all from the same man yep i'm like why why would that be of interest i'm curious <laughs> are you thinking so that there are multiple men involved or that's why I said 12 like oh yes and I make it a joke of it and and the fact that I'm saying that I've been single partnered yes there are a couple of men involved you know so I've and I've been a stepmother you know so my my journey of being a single parent in the last 10 years because I have triplets of 10 age 10 and the next ones up are just leaving home that kind of age you know late teens early 20s, the rest and uh, mm. all of that. Basically, for the last 10 years, I've been kind of intentionally single. You know, I had a romance. 
And I got to being a single parent by making a choice about in this with these triplets about a very, very difficult decision that I had to make about the safety of my children. It wasn't obvious in our relationship mm. until, and, until, you know, to protect him, I'd, I won't go into the details because I don't need to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was dealing with his demons and I wanted to make sure that my children, all of them, were safe. And that meant that I took the very difficult decision to leave a man who I actually loved to perhaps if it was Singleton, just one child, perhaps I wouldn't have felt one under so much pressure and two, that I really had to be quite radical. But Mm. it was three little babies and very premature babies. So they'd already had a hell of a rocky time. And I made the decision that, that we would move on alone. And that made me a single mother of triplets and a working single mother of triplets with older children also to support. And that's it. And, and I've, you know, I've actively stayed single. Which sounds funny. <laughs> Congratulations. I, I genuinely mean that because it almost yeah. feels like that is a, a, a forceful stand to, in the world yes. today. You know, there's still this expectation that you should be partnered. You should, you know, have that one true love in your life and stay with them. And, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. like, why would you stay single? <laughs> yeah, um, I, I did. I did have a romance in the wonderful guy asked me to marry him. He loves the children. He loved the children. And I, I, it wasn't the same for me. It, it, you know, the feelings were not entirely mutual. And although that would have been the safer, more socially acceptable form of continuing as a family, as a unit, you know, a family unit, I again had to make, they were about five, six when I stepped away from that. And mm. it is an act of rebellion as women. It's an, it's a revolutionary act to choose to be single. And because we are after all seen as dangerous women when we are not tethered <laughs> to a man. Ooh. True. Yeah. yeah. And also yeah. it's choosing your own needs. It, it, it's quite simply that. And you're right, it would be much safer in everyone's eyes to have that extra income and the extra person around. And yet settling isn't worth it at any cost. It, it's, it's just, that's a very hard thing to say when you're an adult woman with children, whereas they tell 19 year old girls all the time, don't settle, don't settle at some age. It's like, okay, settle, get yourself, get yourself that connection. And let's, let's get you in, in a box. Yeah. Let's get you, let's get Lee, get you safely partnered up so that we know what to do with you. We can anticipate that your man will keep you in check. One way or another will be kept in check. Society will keep you in check because you will be coupled. Mm. Therefore your needs mold and meld into the other. Whereas on our own, wow, who who can tell what we might get up to? So what have you been up to? What do you feel being single gives you in your life? As it's something that you intentionally chose at this point. Oh, autonomy. One, autonomy. 
I do not have to refer to anybody to say, now I'm wondering about writing two books in just over a year. What do you think, darling? Yeah, yes. I don't have yes. to do that. I love I, that. <laughs> yeah. I really now, do. I'm, one, <laughs> I'm wondering, I'm, I'm considering, I'm considering, you know, being away, consulting mostly in Switzerland for the last three years. I'm wondering, how would that feel for you, sweetie? Yeah. Now, I don't speak like that to a male partner, but I'm over-egging it because it's essentially yeah. the mode that we're taught to do of refer to our partner so that we can get their permission, their, mm -hmm. their, I mean, I'm, permission is, clearly that's not really the first place to go. It's that you can get that co- you know, that, that relationship going, that communication that meets everybody's needs. I realize that. But because societally women are taught generally to, <laughs> to consider other people before their own needs. Yeah? Yes. yeah. And obviously that includes our children are taught to do that, that mum's needs come last or should do if they're a good mother, perfect mother. And our, partner or if we have a male partner and our you know or our husband will also assume that so we have multiple layers not only our yeah. internalized thought process on it our children will act to say how could you go to switzerland what you're writing another book oh well i thought one was enough yeah. Yes. Yes. So autonomy is enormous. Is 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 absolutely enormous. Freedom comes with freedom. Being adult, being mm -hmm. able to grow up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Scary as or that we just is. Or those limits. Mm hmm. Yeah. Not actually not I, having anyone else to blame for our limits, whether that's mm -hmm. our absolutely. partner. Yeah. Because so I think a lot of the times we don't even take the shot. We don't even ask. We just assume, no, that's too big. I, I couldn't do that. I have kids or you know, I also have a house to decorate or I also have, you know, things that I'm supposed to do. We don't even take the possibility into account yeah. for ourselves. And for you, you just, it feels like you just removed those constraints and you opened up any possibility that you want to go after. I yes. feel like you're yes, wired so a little differently than some of the rest of us. <laughs> I, I, I suspect. And that's a, that's a very good thing. That's a very good that's thing. A, I take that as a compliment. Uh, and that is exactly <laughs> how it was intended. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've occasionally been called a one-off in a kind of slight side-eye way. And I'm like, yeah, I can feel mm. the, the, the slap of the tail of that comment. Yeah. Actually, I know that you meant that sincerely and, and it's true. It, it's, it's what enables me to, you know, I had my first child at 17. I was either going to see a trajectory of my life that bought into the narrative that set out for me. I had mm -hmm. four children by the time I was just over 21. Four boys, mm -hmm. I have to say. That certainly was tiring, but I could have drowned under the kind of being submerged under that that narrative that was is extremely strong out there which says well <laughs> we know what you're doing with the rest of your life yeah 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 yes and the same with the triplets when the triplets came along in my 40s you know at a time when women 
you know, this should be my time of greatest power. Actually, it was the same of, oh, well, that's you done then. You're finally going to be got by children. It's like, I have a mantra actually, and it is two words. And I use them quite a lot privately, not often to people, but it is watch me. Mm. Oh my goodness. That's so good. It's simple. Watch me. Yeah. It's not even, you know, it's not menacing. It's simply watch me. And and Mm. if we bring watch me energy into our life, I'm not suggesting that things have been easy. Oh, anything but. But I'm guided by hmm, the rocket fuel of, you really don't believe that that's possible, do you? Well, if I want it, and that's the key, it's not if you think I can't have it. I can let go Mm. of a mission anytime. I let go of it, yeah? I thought that I would be married, you know, to my wonderful fiancé, you know, the father of my triplets. And actually, I had to let go of that for the good of other people and for my own future. I had to. So it's really about using, using those words to support you as opposed to be revengeful. Mm -mm. It's nothing to do with that. It's all to do with yourself. Yeah. I love that so much because anything that you put in front of you as a constraint, I'm worried what people will think. I'm concerned that that's not what a good mother does. I'm all of those things. If you just take them all down with that little mantra, that, that two word statement. Mm. And also it feels experimental. Like, it's okay if you try and it doesn't work out. Yeah, it's not about other people at all. Yeah. And everything that we're taught is, as women is to make it about others, to have our focus be other focused. Yeah. And being single is, is self-referencing. And that's where it's dangerous because we're not supposed to be self-referencing. Not selfish, self-focused, full of self Interesting. And that's too bad because I feel a lot of people when they end up single and adult with kids, they, they need to make decisions that are for their best interest. And we, I think a lot of us tend to wait until we're more complete until we have that partner. Then we'll do the financial planning. Then we'll do the travel. Then we'll do the big things. But right now we're just in waiting mode. And I I love the idea of taking that self-efficacy. Yeah, that's exactly what it is, actually. And I'm I'm trying not to gasp when you talk about... (laughs) (laughs) I'm truly and honestly trying not to gasp and be so horrified by the notion that we will do things when we're more complete. How much more complete do we need to be than ourselves? What, what is this fantasy model that out there there is some poor guy that is willing to be your person that will kind of fit in like a jigsaw puzzle and make your life all wonderful? What a terrible, terrible pressure for a man. Oh, man. Because he ain't, he ain't going to be able to live up to that. Yeah. He's going to let that down, isn't he? 
you know, he's going to because he's human. But actually, mm-hmm. I don't want sons that have to. I have six sons. I don't want my sons to have to go complete any woman. They've yeah. got enough on their hands with themselves. Yeah? As Absolutely. Humans, they've got their own journey. And, and I think yeah. to teach our young boys, our men, that that's what you're good for. I just think that's that's a travesty, but it's also for women, (laughs) you know, because it stops us in our tracks. Mm -hmm. It's so limiting to ourselves and our potential, no matter where you start from. Like we're obviously all starting from different places. I'm a white Mm -hmm. educated woman. I have many, many privileges here and over where I start from. And, but Whatever you've got, those cards that you play with, if you're hampering hampering yourself waiting for some guy to come along, whoa, what a waste. What a waste. waste. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm not anti-relationship. You know that. It's nothing to do with that. No. No. Just get get your life going anyways. Yeah. And if someone comes along that you know, you find you quite like, and they find they quite like you, then that's great. You can create a a life going forward. But who has time to wait for like, we, we only get so many years on this earth. And why would you waste them waiting to do things that you want to do because you haven't found your person? Yeah. And waiting, waiting to get your finances in order, which is essentially your safety, your care, your, your, your version of your security and freedom, whatever that means. You know, because we are all living such different lives, but why wait? I don't get it. I do. I, I really do because I, I have to catch myself. I was socialized in, to imagine that that wouldn't it be great to have a man i was at a dinner party the other day and it was a a fancy pants dinner with 74 of us and it was oh it was just very funny terribly dreadfully british dreadfully <laughs> and sounds, sounds fantastic yeah. it was <laughs> it's awesome love it it was the telegraph food critics supper and Telegraph is one of the main broadsheet papers in the UK and, you know, wonderful. And I was the only single person there, the only uncoupled, un- out of a group. Wow. Like wow. everyone else was in a group of friends or right. from yeah. what I could see was more about couples. So a foursome of couples, you know, two couples. And I was surrounded by them. Couples everywhere. And I, for a moment there, I thought, well, this is, you can edit this out, like fucking (laughs) awful. Yes. Why did I, why did I drive through the country lanes, the tracks to get to this? And, and I knew nobody. At all. Yeah. And I just thought, what a fucking miserable event for me. And then I talked to myself. Good. I was like, hmm, okay, are you going to skedaddle home? Are you going to just kind of sidle out, you know, and go in the car and go, oh, well, oh, poor little me. 
I don't have anyone with me. Or are you going to just jump in here and make this what you can? And of course, you know the answer. Mm. And, and so, no, I didn't go home to the fire. I stayed and I made friends and yeah, for sure. I was the odd, odd outlier, but I, tomorrow I go to an event that I was invited to. And so it will go on. I built my strength as a, as a person because Mm -hmm. I dared to do that, even though Mm -hmm. it was different. I Mm -hmm. dared to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Lindsay and I can both relate Mm -hmm. to that a little bit. We've both been largely single for the last 10 years, each of us. And Mm -hmm. so I've been in lots of situations like that where I'm like the, the only single person and you just Mm kind of have to steal yourself and go, you know what? I'm, I'm awesome. Single. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you are. And I really do relate to the, the, what you shared about having that complete autonomy. I don't have to ask Mm -hmm. anyone for permission to spend the money that I want on the, on things that are Mm -hmm. important to me. I don't have to ask anyone for permission to go hang out with so-and-so or so-and-so. And And I've been in a controlling relationship where with someone who didn't want me to hang out with certain people. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yeah, that's not going to work for me. (laughs) So, so, you know, just that, you know, you do have that autonomy and, and not that you can't have it, in a relationship, I think in the right relationship, you can you can still have a, a dis- decided level of autonomy, but it is different. It oh, is it's, different. It's very different, and ideally, it would be that you can you can have freedom of movement and thought and purpose in in some ways. But of course, that can be difficult because if I I have to tell you, I I. I came up with this idea when I was married that I, wouldn't it be great if I wrote a book? Just humor me on this. Wouldn't it be great if I wrote a book on from day one to today <laughs> on every single sexual encounter I have? <laughs> yeah, every one. It would be a fresh chapter. And it might say the name or if I couldn't remember the name, it might say, you know, a moniker of the guy like train guy and and it might be you know three three lines didn't come up to expectations you know or whatever <laughs> okay or, I, I just gotta say i don't know where this is going but i love this idea i think this could be hilarious <laughs> i i wanted to call it the double digit something i remember at the time and and i very sweetly said to my husband, who I thought would be really enthusiastic. Now, obviously that was naive because I (laughs) sold it to him in a way that was like, wow, this would be groundbreaking. Like, I Mm. really know that it would, yeah. Like telling the truth on things. Mm -hmm. He just said, I will divorce you if you do that. (laughs) Whoa. And I'm guessing he was quite serious. Oh, he was dead, yes. deadly serious. No, he was, he just looked me piercingly in the eyes and said, I will divorce you if you do that, oh, Demusha. And course. I said, yes, but darling, it'll be really thinking, oh, he just, he said, you know, I've obviously not sold it well enough. Mm-hmm. Darling, and <laughs> let me tell you more, because clearly I didn't explain it right the first time. <laughs> I, can, I can convince you that this is a really interesting feminist book. Yes. And he was like, 
Uh, and what I should have realized that his penis was shriveling at the very thought. It <laughs> oh, was yes, climbing yes. him back. It, and his pride <laughs> was like, what? I'm not having my beloved wife mm. recounting. And, and, and I was like, oh, yes. Okay. Well, okay. So I, I came up with a, I actually came up with a photography project, a coffee table book. And then he wasn't keen on that one either. It was, it was very, you know, I was, it was all about the male appendage. And I was like, okay, you're not keen on this. Okay. And what his words were, were, if you were normal, you would never even consider those kinds of projects. Oh, wow. And I was like, oh, oh now there's a sting. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Now I'm going to have to think about being normal because I'm not sure I ever said I was. I'm not sure I did. That might be a misunderstanding. Normal's totally <laughs> overrated, in my humble opinion. Yeah. And, and we might have to and discuss. What is the it? <laughs> yes, the definition of what you think is normal, but essentially, that's actually very stinging. That's really yeah. stinging. Yeah. And, and, wow. and it's meant I've to got, hurt. yeah, I've got the idea that I'm to be contained. Okay. Right. Okay. Right. I haven't done those projects. I've gone on to other things, but I think that. That whole even, that's why I included thought, thought leadership, the thinking, like memoir. Woo, mm -hmm. that's a problem. Like, how, how do you tell the truth about a woman's life if you're living with a man who won't let you? Yeah. No, not yes. everybody's a writer, but it's, it's just an instance of how being yes. in a relationship can begin to, you know, unexpectedly, bring the the walls inwards like mm. oh we're in a smaller box here than i ever imagined wow okay so how can i behave <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah i think it's really important also for people to realize that that's possible even if they do look to be partnered to be so much more thoughtful about their choice and Yes. test it out and be willing to experiment and say, no, this isn't working. I'm out. A and just not take it as a life contract that just because you have these feelings for someone that it's going to be good for you for your whole life. Yeah. And really to, to consider whether being partnered is coming from a fear of being alone. Mm -hmm. What is it that women are so desperately not all women, clearly, but most of us, I include myself, yes. of course, most of us are or have been desperately fearful of what it would mean if we were alone. And I, I think about, I, I thought to myself the other day, and I'm certainly not in, in an age where I'm thinking, you know, of, of, like, well, we're in the last few years now. No, I'm not. Yes. Although we never know what's around the corner. My best friend died in his sleep last year at age oh. 49. So, you know, we truly don't know what is coming. But nevertheless, I've been thinking, well, Tanusha, what if you never had another partner? What would that be like? And I have to tell you that I have gone from thinking, really? Oh, goodness. Gosh. <laughs> oh, what a shame. Oh, does that mean I won't have any sex anymore? Oh, 
That, that's always my first thought, actually. <laughs> yeah. like, well, what's my sex life going to look like if I don't have another partner? <laughs> yeah. Except, except we we know that sex in a partnership is actually almost always not as good as single yes. people. Yeah. Well, yes. This is another myth. For many, many women, they're having a more active sex life. And I am expanding that to having self-pleasuring as part of that. You know, the amount of women that have to surreptitiously self-pleasure in a marriage or a partnership because it's not okay to not focus on one's partner because after all, they're the focus of, hey, look here, there we have it. There's the, the, the grail between your legs, you know, your husband. It's not. It's not for yeah. so many women, it's not at all. So I had to think, okay, when I got over that oh, sex life, I thought, oh, how exciting. Oh, <laughs> we could get up to, you know, I could have a harem of lovers. Yeah, right. I could have right. Yeah. an absolute, who do I want? Maybe I want to have four boyfriends that meet different <laughs> needs, an intellectual one that pops about, you know, we meet up for conversation and we never have any sexual contact. You know, but I have two wonderful lovers, let's say, that are, you know, they have different skills and blah, 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 blah. Interesting. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Because right. what happens when you're not in that box? When you're not contained. That you're no longer wife material, partner material. And it's not because you've aged, given up because you're left on the shelf, you know, you're shriveled, you're, you know, all the dreadful, dreadful tropes that are thrown at women over 35, 40. Mm -hmm. Let's be honest, it's getting Mm -hmm. lower and lower that age. Actually, it's none of those reasons. It's because you're at choice because you're going... Oh, I'm not close to the idea of a partner. Wouldn't that be fantastic? If, you know, if it is, or indeed multiple partners, if that's what you fancy. But actually, I'm about me. So what would I really, what's the most ideal, most delicious life that I could create from my singles Mm. face? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I love it. And for a man, I see men on the dating apps lots. And I see that's no big deal for them. Open to a possible relationship, not in the, don't really care if I ever get married again. That's completely okay. I've been traveling the world, not dating, completely okay for for the other gender. But for us, yeah, that's revolutionary. Well, it's still tied to the whole whore, you know, kind of place, isn't it? Which actually comes neatly around to my book about, you know, the double digits, doesn't it? Because, because <laughs> yes. what I was publicly, which I'm eagerly waiting for, saying, by the way, <laughs> <laughs> I was publicly saying, "Oh, it's not single digits; it's double." Oh, naughty me! Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he was a he was a single digit guy. I don't care. It's not yeah. where I come from. That moralistic, really, is it that number? But I, I, actually, it all of this is to do with the tethering the. The taming, the containing has a great deal to do with sexuality. It really mm. does. Mm. And it's no surprise, Kamala, that you would go to, what will I do for a sex life? Oh, <laughs> yeah. because it's, because it's a requirement, because actually 
we it's a well kept secret isn't it that that actually women are the you know they're often highly desirous we have desires whether they're physical whether they're you know of all sorts of desires and it's about desire i have desires mm. for myself they mm -hmm. include sex but i actually have desires for my my brain and my impact in the world and i'm not going to carry anybody that argues with me or expects me to it's not the argument it's i don't want to have to explain myself mm. why why would i have to explain Mm -hmm. why feels, i can be me yeah yes i love it yeah. Yeah. Also, can you can we take a step sideways can you tell <laughs> us a bit about the message that you've brought out in your first book noise and what you're looking to write about in this next book that's coming up oh <laughs> have i got another book coming up <laughs> <laughs> oh, stop it. You're setting me up. <laughs> okay. No, She's good I, at that. So, yeah, thank you. So noise, noise came out in 2021 and I already had two successive book deals asking me to write about how to marry being a mother and having a highly successful and profitable business. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Fantastic subject. Love it. It's the story of my life, okay? So it's not that I don't like it. It's just that I did not want to write a how-to on the basis that my how-to is different from your how-to. And I'm not mm -hmm. going to tell women how to do that. I can tell them how to, uh, you know, the principles to think about. So it led me to write a much more foundational book, which is Noise. Mm -hmm. And that is the underpinning myths about what it takes to be a mother and to be yourself still. Yeah. yeah. So how do you be me and be a mother? And mm -hmm. so that's the central, that's the central question that has dogged me my entire life. How do I get to be me and be a mother? It may sound like I've got it all sorted, but actually, of course, it's like this groundswell of, of it's on a daily or weekly or monthly basis of, of needing to grapple with it, of of how do I do the things and be the woman I need to be and mm -hmm. or want to become. So it's not like I always know, but, you know, how do I do that and do justice to my children? Because I mm. adore them and want mm -hmm. them to have a fantastic upbringing that means that they're stable, secure kids. So that's what the book is about. And the book is, is part memoir, part manifesto. And it's, it's really what that means is, is that I disassemble the central myths that we are told motherhood includes. One of them being guilt. Mm. One of them being another one being that you have to be, mothers have to be sexy and sexless all at the same time. Mm. You've got to be mm. both. Sexy mm -hmm. enough, yeah. just yeah. enough. Yeah. But then sexless. So we have to marry the Madonna whore, you know, a stereotype so carefully as a mother. So, so that's what it is. Those, those, and, and sandwiched between are raw, very honest, 
memoir pieces that are about the unfolding life of a mother of 10 and a mother of 10 mm -hmm. who, who has big ambitions for yes. herself. <laughs> you know, that's it. We're yeah. talking about appetite, appetite mm -hmm. for self Desire. and appetite. Desire. We're still talking about desire because actually libido, if you think about it, is an appetite for life. It is a life force. It's not, we can use it in the sexual context, but actually it's about an appetite for life. And I have that. And I do yes, not see do. why, <laughs> you know, <laughs> using my womb, you know, and my rather overactive womb, why does that have to mean that I have to give myself up? I don't believe it does. So that's what noise is. The reason I, the reason I said, am I writing another one? Because in 2022, I did write another book and it's called Snappy Little Title. It's called Spunk, a Manifesto Modernizing Fatherhood. Right. And yes. it's different. It's different. It's about fatherhood. So in the motherhood book, Noise, I take apart what I call the mother stopper culture. All Can the myths stop women. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Tell us about spunk and then maybe we'll go back to the mother stopper culture. Yeah. So, so that book is based on a global survey because I'm a, I'm a, I'm not sure I can ever be an ex-academic, but my brain is, you know, it's wired like that. So I was an academic and, you know, ran big research projects. And, and so I, I undertook one. Clearly I couldn't write a memoir. I'm not a father. <laughs> so I wanted to go out to the world and, uh, and ask men some critical questions about what I like to think of as the interior of what it's like to be a father. And, mm. and so that's the results of that, that survey. And I lay out the model that I call the father stunter culture. So it stunts men's ability to be the father that many men would like to be. Mm -hmm. But actually our mm -hmm. culture doesn't support it. And, and we can also look at, well, they're not exactly trying hard, are they? You know, we can go there. <laughs> we can, we can go there. But it's a, it's a very pro-man. It's not an anti-man book at all. It's very pro and an, a very understanding of men's position. As I put noise in, the editor came back, having read it, said, wow, okay, fabulous. And here's what you're writing next. Uh, my feminist <laughs> oh. in me, yeah, yeah. And my feminist <laughs> in me kind of went, no, really? Mm. Really, do I have to? And I had to dig very deep very deep and really interrogate my my own stuff about my own relationship with disappointment with mm. with how i was feeling about the way that some men show up in the world and so that's what that book is father stunter culture mm. and it's it was so insightful it's a very insightful book into how you know, I mean, I, what I actually mean is it's not because I wrote it. I mean, the survey results mm -hmm. really tell us some some pieces on fatherhood that I was astonished by, absolutely astonished mm -hmm. by, what that was, I have not anticipated. 
Yeah. What was, what were some of the one, one or two of the pieces that really surprised you? One of the things that surprised me was that I had many emails from men who were undertaking the survey, taking it. And they asked me, <laughs> how many, how many children do I have? Now, the reason that they asked that is because I didn't say the question, how many children do you have? I mm. asked, how many children have you been a father figure to or raised mm. as? I, I, I made it more nuanced than that. How many children do I have? Mm. And what I discovered wow. was that there were pieces to do with father identity that I had never anticipated, which, for instance, one of them was geography. So a father of two biological children, because obviously I was getting at non-biological children, biological children, all mm -hmm. sorts of an array of situations. This came up, which was biological fathers who live, let's say, 5,000 miles away in different countries. They mm -hmm. questioned, I don't father on a daily basis. So I'm not sure that I'll include those two children that are in Australia. Oh. I have two, two, two that don't live with me anymore, two more, and they're in the US with me. So mm. I, I'll put two. Wow. That's so fascinating. I've, oh, I was, yeah. I just can't wait to read it, Denisha. Yeah, my children's biological father has been absent for over 10 years and, mm -hmm moved to a different country, started a new life, married a different woman, raised other children, got in touch a little bit here and there with my oldest child. But how is it possible to separate yourself emotionally? I've always been confused and I'm, I know what happens. So interesting. Isn't it? I, I Seriously, I'd been wondering what the demarcations are, where are the lines, how does that happen? And one of the other things was that there is the myth that black and brown men actually leave their children, that they that they abandon their children, they, they systematically abandon their children. And what I discovered from this survey, and it's important to say that I'm not suggesting that this is across the board, but from the work that I undertook, it would appear that that is not so. But, and in fact, when I looked deeper into this, when I looked at, again, as an academic, I forensically looked at other research and, and it would appear that this is not so, it's a myth, that it's white men. It's white men and it's the package deal family man. Hmm. So that is exactly, Lindsay, what you've just suggested, which is the children and the woman come as a package. And so wow. if the relationship doesn't work, the man ups, I should, I should qualify that. The white man ups, moves on, finds another woman, gets into a relationship and has more children and raises those as a package. So what it appears from this, these results show, but also other research studies show that white men see the woman as staying with the children, right. whereas black and brown men retain their relationship with the children regardless 
of their relationship to the woman. It is not about the intimate relationship with the woman. Yeah. Wow. That and is fascinating. I think that's fascinating. Yeah. 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 And, and out there in the world, you ask most people, they'll say, well, of course, white men stay in touch. Now, even, and I'll go as far as to say in prison communities, white men keep in touch with their children less than, than black and brown men. So oh, wow, it, it's wow. born through, you know, right through. Yet we're sold in the media this other position that, well, it's not surprising who's running the media. <laughs> it's yes. a lot of white yeah, yeah, men yeah. who are almost certainly white, you know, package deal men. Yeah. So, yeah, it's those yeah, two were really... the really interesting yeah. things really just just lots of things of what men don't do as well in the home but you know yeah. honestly it was a very it, it, it was not what i needed on the back of writing noise i'm <laughs> yeah and i'm so lucky that i did it i you yeah. know i really really did which is why i kind of look aghast when you say what's the book you're going to write because my children say to me you're not writing another one are you yet Oh, wow. <laughs> you have some stakeholders. Yes, yes. I, I may do in 2024, so we're, we'll okay. see. But I've certainly had this year off from writing a book. <laughs> yes. It's such a big project. I'm so grateful yes. that you've written these books. And yeah. that father one sounds very healing for our situation in particular. And I know I'm not the only one in a similar position. So I can't wait to dig into that and just understand what the heck goes on. Yeah. when men walk away from their children and, and different parts of fatherhood as well. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. 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 Now, Lindsay, you wanted to come back to mother stopper culture. And, and yeah, I, I had this in my notes too, wanting to talk about this because it's a really interesting idea. So I wonder if you could explain what that is. I, I, I just have to say before that I, I really have enjoyed reading noise. It was a surprise for me. I didn't really know what to expect and getting this blend of academic research, personal story and a little bit of poetry. <laughs> like it's your, your writing Beautiful. is sometimes very poetic and uh, oh, so I think, really yeah. enjoyed it, but it, it's been this really surprise. And I think I'm going to need to read it a couple more times to really get all elements of it and be able to process mm. it. And I love that you ask questions and you make yeah. it very clear yeah. at the start that this is meant to be a conversation starter, not a, well, this is, this is how the world is and this is how we fix it. Or, you know, this is how we fix yeah. mother culture, any of that. You're not saying that you're mm. like, let's, let's see what works for you. And I, I just loved yeah. that approach. It's really, thank you. It's really important to do that because so many voices have been excluded and, and dimmed that some, yet another, yet another white woman, and I include mm. white women in this, our voices are, are often as mothers dimmed as well. So, you know, there are so many elements of this. So I, I didn't want to prescribe. It's important not to around this. I'm, for instance, I'm raising my triplets are neurodiverse, that, that changes my experience on a daily basis than mm -hmm. with some women who, some mothers who aren't grappling with the gift and challenges that that brings. And so, mm -hmm. you know, I, I live it on a daily life needing to accommodate and adjust and consider adjustments. So 
the mother stopper culture to come to that. It's the, it's the combination of the systemic narratives that build up to this you know, good, perfect mother model that we are really kind of, if you like, performance reviewing ourselves against. Yeah. Mm. So our central job. So that as a mother, so for instance, the idea that being a mother is a calling, it's the answer to everything. So the mother stopper culture acts in, in it kind of almost, what's the word? Like closes in and, and really it's the noise of it, the incessant noise. That's why I used that, mm-hmm. even though it would have been a, there are other more saleable, marketable, titles actually it's the incessant noise of the narratives that build up the picture the overall picture of the mother stopping culture that that Mm. halt us in our tracks if it's not guilt it'll be that why don't i enjoy this more why yes it ought to be my calling i mean after all so for for many women you know, I've been through hell to get these children in my life, you know, all sorts of medical procedures. And I thought it was the be all and end all of everything, only to discover it's really not. It's really not. And it is. <laughs> oh, it's it is. horrible some days. <laughs> it, and it's vile. And I had a vile day yes. yesterday where I literally uttered the words, you know, I really, really sometimes wonder why I made the choices I did. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. No, but I, I think we've I... had those days. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Not. Not. I wish I'd never had you. No. no that wasn't. No. no. It was. I do really wonder. And I talk about. You know. Gosh, my decision-making skills must have been a little odd. And 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 because not every day is all roses and glory. Oh, it's yeah. not. We all know that. But actually our idea of what are we measuring ourselves up against? That's we mother stop ourselves mm-hmm. until we really unpick. Oh, where's my standard? Where do I sit in relation to this narrative? The multiple pieces of the narrative. And then of course, how do our children undo us? How do our children themselves hold us accountable to the model of perfect mother? Right. And they're doing it mm. unconsciously. Right? Less than they're not even aware. The little horrors. <laughs> mm. Oh my that, goodness. The yeah, darling. Expectations they have. Yes. Well, yes the TV shows hearing. and the movies. Yeah. Uh-huh. And and their and their friends have other yes. family models. They have other yes. viewpoints, other opinions about what it means to be a good family, a good mother. And so then they'll start spouting they'll start sharing is a nicer way of putting it that oh well my friend's mother she does this and it's rare it's rarely my goodness look at you aren't you no it's because they're attempting to individuate aren't they they're finding who they are and as single mothers you know talking about the mother role here then actually we're we don't share the the firing range. When they're going to take pot shots, there is no one else to shoot at. Yes. 
And there may be if there's a co-parenting situation, we know that. But the one who is the resident parent usually gets it. Mm -hmm. Usually. Because we're doing the mundane, crappy stuff that doesn't present us as the exciting, you know, fun to be with person. Because we haven't just, you know, the, the... another parent and it really I, I want to stress there are some amazing co-parents on there they really are because there are mm-hmm. there are some absolutely brilliant co-parenting situations to be had and a lot of women are holding the fort they just are yes yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely yeah. and our children will get us on that <sighs> you're so right and it's partly how do you look to your children what goes through my head is If I don't drive my daughter to all these activities and be the one at the field trips every time, then what is she going to think of me? And you're right. Where is she getting the narrative from that she's comparing me to? So worth a conversation. So interesting. I just just want to point you to the idea that, I mean, I, I know it won't be anything new, the compensatory model that so many of us deal with. In other words, parenting from mothering from a compensatory Mm. mode of what they might have given up or the experiences that they've been through. And therefore we have to perform even better, even better. Oh yeah. And that if there was a, a, a male partner beside us, maybe we might just cut ourselves a little bit more slack, but because there isn't, we have to show up as mother and father. And the super mom stereotype. Yeah, the super yeah. mom. And, and actually, that's one of the things that I do get up on stage and talk about that, mm-hmm. no, please do not go into that mode with me. Let me yeah. share some crap with you so that you <laughs> do not do that <laughs> because yeah. that's not helpful for any of us. We're already dealing with enough. You know? It's very damaging. Yeah. I love that you talked about the comment compensating that you can do. I have really felt that in my life and mm. no, I haven't actually really thought about it as, as you know, I haven't had a moment in 10 years where I've been able to no. sit down and think about what's going on, but you're right. Yeah. So Danusha, that was an amazing conversation. And I, I feel like I need to read your your book on fatherhood and I can't yes. wait to hear what's coming next for you. And we have a lightning round of questions. So we'd love to hear your thoughts. Carmel, did you want to ask the first question? Yeah, I, I, I love this one. Everybody, I, I've been surprised at the breadth of answers, but finish the statement, single parenting is. Oh, uh, uh, a life-changing opportunity. Mm, love that. Nice. What traditions or rituals do you do in your home to make those special moments as a family? One of the special traditions that we do is we have yes days. So okay. yes days being, you know, where everyone gets to choose what they want and need. And that includes me. I often go to bed. And, and work from my bed, which mm. I love. So I encourage yes days. One of the, actually one of the traditions that my next ones up from the triplets 
and I had, and I, I want to tell you about it because it's quite funny, I think. So I was living with, I had children at a university or, or boarding school for a range of reasons. I mean, educationally for their reasons. And then two girls, two of my girls, Isadora and Meredith and I were living in a beach house, which was amazing. And we, there was just the three of us in term time and it was so wonderful. And we took the, what's it called? The, the television program, the Netflix old program of the sisters with the witches. What's it called? Oh, oh shoot. Hocus it doesn't matter. No, no, it's not. Okay. No, not okay. that one. No, it's a TV not show. That one. It's a TV. I know it's which a- one you're talking about. I can picture it and I cannot remember the name of it. No, I can't. But anyway, the girls, this, <clears throat> I beg your pardon, the women on this and the sisters and the cousin, they, they stand and they go, the power of three, the power of three, the power of three. Mm. And we had been doing that for 18 months because what that was, was a ritual of like solidarity, solidarity. Yeah. And we would, you know, bicycle along the front of the beach and go to their school and we would live life. And then when I met my partner, I got pregnant with triplets. The power of three. We had manifested (laughs) (laughs) three babies because we had, wow. (laughs) Yeah. And honestly, so I'm careful about the kind of rituals because wherever you focus, You will create. I know that. Mm -hmm. So the rituals, you know, are whether we imagine, we imagine ourselves with, with lots of money. money. The power of three mil, the power of three mil. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I would encourage you to, to, I would honestly encourage you to marry like the, the energy of what you're hoping for with a ritual. So I know that's a completely mm-hmm. different like spin on what you were looking for. But I yeah. honestly, that was one of the biggest rituals that we had for like solidarity. What is it called? You're going to remember. Hey, it doesn't matter. Again, except imperfection. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, I just can't, <laughs> I can't remember at all. But it was a, a lovely, lovely one. And mm. so they manifested and I manifested three. Wow. <laughs> Congratulations. That's amazing. That, that I think might be the coolest answer we've ever had to that question. <laughs> <laughs> silly. So silly. It's so fun. So fun. But, but yeah, that that reminds me of the it's a I think it's a Joe Dispenza quote where and, and there might have been other people who's actually said it first, but where where energy goes no. Oh shoot, now I'm gonna forget it. <laughs> Attent- where attention goes, energy flows or something like that. No, it- Yes, yes, that's right. it. That's, that's exactly. I'm just looking. I need to find this. Come on. We need to find this. Sorry. <laughs> sure. I'm like, oh, come on. Which, which programs? It'll come up so fast. It's, it's not, it, it's it, not. It had Alyssa Milano in it, right? Is that the one you're thinking oh, of? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's three charmed. sisters. It's charmed. charmed. It's charmed. And it was just perfect. So, yes. Awesome. I, yeah. That's fine. Anyway. My apologies. That was a long edit, edit, edit as needed. (laughs) That's the longest answer to a lightning question. (laughs) Oh, sorry about that. Okay, I think we got to quickly have two more. So, best or worst advice that you got as a parent? Oh, oh, God. I, I, you know, you. 
I don't listen to advice. <laughs> I don't listen to it, so I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to think. What? Since when did Perfect. anyone know what was right for me? Mm. That's amazing. That's brilliant. Mm-hmm. I, I, I could try and make something up, but I... I, I think yeah. that's a great no. answer. That's a great answer. Yeah. I love it. Good. I've and had many, you know, many pieces, many pieces of advice, just so you know, of course. Yeah. Of course. Yes. Yeah. Including, including Terminate 2 or one of the triplets. Mm. Yeah? Right. Yeah. yeah. But since when did oh. they ever know what was right for me? And that's, that's it. Mm. That's so I good. love that. I remember in your book, even there's a story from your first pregnancy about absolutely choosing your own path. So I yes. love that. Yeah. Thank you. And last one, what do you do just for you? What do I do just for me? And there's a little irony in the fact that we ask that one last, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. I want that to be your first question. Love it. It's just so awkward. <laughs> so awkward. It's all for me. <laughs> it's all for me. I mean, I'm struggling right. with the concept of what do I do just for me? Because I want to unpack the idea that I might have a bath for me or I might, you know, I might <laughs> like have take 20 minutes on a Friday morning and go for a walk. Life is only for me. Mm. It's all for me. So I, it's for me. I, I don't know how else to answer it. It's perfect. It's powerful. You know, I love it. <laughs> Thank you. All right. We're moving that question up. All right. <laughs> I think we're good now. <laughs> well, it's, well, it's a, a problem, isn't it? Because we've, we've been taught that you can have stuff once you've done everything else. So yeah. yeah. It's really interesting. It's it's a question that's a bit of a if we don't get to it, it's fine. Mm. Question. Isn't that fascinating? The, but it's not the way fine. of thinking about that. It's not microcosm, fine. macrocosm. Yeah. It's everything. It's yeah. everything. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I think it's a perfect note to end on. Mm, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Before you leave, we want to give a big shout out to our friend and musician, Laura Kosh, who wrote our intro and outro music. Laura is the singer songwriter for the band, The Quirks, and you can find them online at thequirks.com. If you enjoyed the show, make sure you subscribe, leave a review and share it with other single parents in your life. Thanks for listening. Yeah.